Sunday Sermons from Trinity UMC in Lincoln, a podcast to help on the faith journey. Now on to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Slater. This is a story about helping the blind to see. Anybody confused? Okay, clearly none of you are paying attention. Yes, I know. If you were listening to uh, paying attention, you know that the, mind, the, the man in the story was not blind. He was crippled. <laughs> you know, so you might be thinking, wait, he's a paralytic. He didn't say anything about him being blind. But I'm telling you, this is a story about helping the blind to see and more than just the man on several levels. You know, for the season of Lent, we're reading the Gospel of John together each day. I mentioned the bookmarks a minute ago, and if you haven't gotten one, I hope you'll pick one up. Uh, on it are uh, short little readings from the Gospel of John for each day of the week, Monday through Saturday, and then Sunday we gather here like this. Uh, and the idea is that we read together as a church. Uh, we're each, you know that everybody else at Trinity is reading that same scripture passage each day that goes by, and it's kind of a common journey that we're on. Uh, and in so doing, we'll read through the Gospel of John as we head toward Easter. And I will tell you, it is all amazing, but just wait until you experience uh, Holy Week and Easter itself in the context of the whole story like that. Now, we are on the second week now, but if you haven't started, that's okay. Well, it's all right to just jump in where we are, even though you've uh, missed the first one. But I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret. The first week, the readings were extra short so that if you missed it the first week and uh, wanted to catch up on the second week, it would be easy to catch up. So uh, I hope you'll grab one of those bookmarks. And uh, the uh, scripture uh, that we're uh, studying this morning is one that you will read on... What is that? Uh, Friday of uh, this coming week. Uh, And I hope that uh, the things that I say this morning uh, will come back to you when you read it on Friday and that you'll understand this story and read it with a little bit uh, deeper meaning. Uh, As you go through the rest of those readings, though, you'll see that John starts out his gospel uh, with seven miraculous signs. The first one is a famous one. It's Jesus at a wedding, and he turns water into wine. And then uh, these seven miraculous signs end with raising Lazarus from the dead. And they are remarkable. But the stories aren't the point. You see, the other three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're mostly concerned with telling the story. Uh, For them, well, there's lots of meaning and layers, of course, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke are primarily uh, concerned with telling us the story and preserving those stories through the ages so that we would have them. But by the time John wrote, John was written later than the others, and by the time he wrote, the stories were already down. People already knew the stories. There wasn't any point of uh, telling them again. So for John, he's more concerned with what they're about. He's less concerned with the who, what, when, where, and why, or or the, the who, what, when, and where, and he's more concerned with the why. What do we learn about Jesus? What is revealed about God's heart through these miracles? Uh, And he's had more time to reflect on it and all of that too. And so it shows us something about who Jesus is. So the story itself is not the point, 
But it is the starting point and it's what gets us there. So let's begin with that. So in the scene that we have today, there's this, uh, this uh, place where those who were crippled gathered. Now, uh, we don't know everything about it, of course, but I'm picturing it as kind of, oh, something like an assisted living facility. That's not a good comparison at all, but you might think of it that way. So these may be people who have some kind of a physical disability who can't get around and here they stay. Uh, as it says uh, uh, in the scripture, let's see here. Um, in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, the Sheep Gate was one of the entrances to the city. Uh, in the North City was a pool with the Aramaic name Bethsaida. It had five covered porches, so you can just picture all these people who are crippled outside, and a crowd of people who were there who were sick, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Now, this is a long time before ADA. <laughs> this is a long time before we had wheelchair ramps. Uh, now, I would suppose, I haven't seen any archaeological evidence, but I would suppose they probably had something like a wheelchair. Certainly, they would have had crutches. But I'm just saying, if you were crippled in those days, it was an even worse thing than it is today because they couldn't work, they couldn't do the very basic things. And there was a superstition that developed. Now, here's, here's one thing that hasn't changed much in 2,000 years. At this particular place, there was a superstition that developed. You see, there was a pool there for them to wash and bathe. And there was a superstition that every now and then, an angel would come down and stir up the waters of the pool. And whoever was the first one in the pool would be healed. Now that's like classic superstition, isn't it? Now I'm not aware of any records of this ever actually happening, but you can hear them talking about it. You know, and as I read that, I'm thinking of like uh, this week, um this week was a, a potential snow day, uh, and uh, one thing, before, before my family moved to Lincoln uh, almost three years ago, I'd never heard this before, but leaving a white crayon in your window is supposed to make it be a snow day? Didn't work. <laughs> uh, or we'll see, what were the other ones? Flushing an ice cube down the toilet, wearing your, your uh, PJs inside out. These are all things that are supposed to make it more likely to be a snow day, right? This, this whole pool thing, this is, this is of similar, uh, uh, similar um, uh, substance. However, it does show you how all the people there need hope, Right? All the people who are there need something that they can hang on to. And in absence of anything uh, truly great, in absence of a uh, medical system that's able to heal them, all they really had to hope for was this pool that maybe one day they, the, the angel would actually come and they would be the first one into it. Now, the man in today's story, John tells us, had been crippled for 38 years. 38 years, that's a long time. I'm 44 years old, so I was thinking, if I had had a, a horrible accident when I was six, that's what it would be. And if I think about everything that's happened in my life since I was six, <laughs> that's, that's a lot. <laughs> and all of those things hadn't happened to this man. Uh, so, uh, uh, now I don't, we don't know, he could have been older, I don't know. Let's just go with it here for a minute. That would mean that he didn't have the same level of schooling as everyone else because he wasn't able to go to school. It would mean things like work experience. It, it, it would mean his level of socialization was only with the others who were in the same situation he was in. This was a man who was apart from society, uh, who, who, 
didn't know the very basic things. Like, does he even know how to go into, uh, I'm putting this in modern terms, does he even know how to go, to go into a store and get lunch? Does he know how to buy groceries? I mean, occupational therapy here, right? The very basics of living, this man doesn't know how to do because he's been crippled for 38 years. He needed the hope. He needed the hope of the pool, right? Uh, so, this, uh, this uh, veranda had five covered porches, and there were a crowd of people who were sick, blind, and lame, and paralyzed there. A certain man was there who had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, knowing he had already been there a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Now, on the one side, what kind of a question is that? <laughs> what kind of a question is that? Do you want to get well? Really? The man's answer was, it says, the sick man answered him, sir, I don't have anyone who can put me in the water when it's stirred up. Here's a superstition. When I'm trying to get to it, someone else has gotten there ahead of me. Now, Jesus just totally ignores the superstition around this. And he says to the man, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And immediately the man was well, and he picked up his mat and walked. And John adds, now that day was the Sabbath. The Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. You aren't allowed to carry your mat. Now, you want to talk about adventures and missing the point? You want to talk about adventures and missing the point? Here's this man who was so in need of healing, whose only hope had been in a silly superstition, and now all of a sudden Jesus comes and says, pick up your mat and walk, and what do the religious authorities of the day say? It's the Sabbath. You aren't allowed to carry your mat. I mean, for pity's sake. Uh, now, God gave us the Sabbath as a great gift. This goes all the way back to the book of Genesis, the very first pages of the Bible. And the Sabbath is supposed to be a day off. It's supposed to be a day of rest, a day when we set aside the cares of the world and simply enjoy all that God has given us. It's, it's as if God knew that we would need a command in order to fully enjoy the life that was given to us. And we see Jesus again and again respect and observe the Sabbath himself. The problem is that in this area, they, the, they'd taken it a little bit too far. In fact, they'd appreciated the gift of the Sabbath so much and for so long and were trying to keep it so holy that they had, get this, 39 categories of things that you weren't allowed to do on the Sabbath. 39 categories, each with subdivisions, leading to hundreds of strict and punishable laws about what you could not do on the Sabbath. Now that must have made it difficult to enjoy what God had given you, don't you think? I mean, this is what happens. Religion is a container that holds God's goodness. And we have to have a container. Otherwise, God's glory, God's grace, those spiritual experiences that we have would just slip through our fingers like so much sand. We need a container to hold it. But when the container starts to become the point, that's what happens. You end up with religious lawyers, and I don't mean that in a good way. <laughs> I mean that in a way that makes things more complicated than they need to be, and we begin to miss the point. And in this case, 
all of those fiddly little rules missing the point of what God had given them was keeping them from seeing the miracle that had taken place. It was keeping them from celebrating with this man who was disabled for 38 years. That's what uh, observing the Sabbath would be. It would be celebrating with him. But most of all, it was keeping them from seeing who was walking among them. And I don't mean the man, I mean, of course, Jesus. Talk about being blind. But the religious lawyers aren't the only ones in this story who are blind. Now, when Tabby read here a minute ago, I left out part of the middle because I thought it needed a little more explanation, but I'll I'll read it for you now. Uh, As the story continues, the the man has had this encounter with the the religious lawyers who were saying, saying, you aren't allowed to carry your mat on the Sabbath. Who do you think you are? Uh, And uh, let's see. Here we are. The Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath, you aren't allowed to carry your mat. And he answered, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. They inquired, who is this man who said to you, pick it up and walk? The man who had been cured didn't know who it was because Jesus had slipped away from the crowd gathered there. Later, Jesus found him in the temple and said, see, you have been made well. Don't sin anymore in case something worse happens to you. (laughs) Now, that's the part that I think needs a little more explanation. You see, uh, uh, some have, uh, some have uh, uh, wondered what, what that means, what Jesus said there. Don't sin anymore in case something worse happens to you. There's a bad theology that you see every now and then in the Bible. And it's something that we all, uh, th- that we all struggle with from time to time. And that's the idea that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. That's just not how life works, is it? Uh, uh, people in uh, biblical times wrestled with that as much as we do today. We think that, that we, we ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? And we ask, why do, do, do sometimes bad people, seemingly bad people, have so much success? And Jesus also speaks out against that idea. That's just not how life works. And I don't think that's what he means by this phrase. What I think he means by it, and I'm not the only one by the way, is that this man doesn't realize the new reality that he's living in. He's helping the man to see that he's living a new life now. Yeah, the religious authorities were really missing the point. But at the same time, he needs to learn how to talk to them. He needs to learn how to live in this world with them. Otherwise, what good does it do for Jesus to heal his legs only for him to get thrown in prison? (laughs) What he's saying is that you have a whole new reality with you. You're going to have to learn to live within the rules even when some of them aren't right. And I suppose I'm reading, I'm reading between the lines and bringing in other parts here too. Sometimes there's a time and a place for challenging rules that are unjust, but you still have to learn to live in the world. And this man wasn't seeing that. In other words, he was being stupid. He was being naive. He was being oblivious too. But the bigger moment of oblivious is right at the start of the story when Jesus first meets the man and he asks him, do you want to get well? You see, Jesus sees, Jesus knows that being healed isn't easy. Being healed 
means living your life differently than you did before you were healed. Now, it's easy to see with the, with the man who was crippled for 38 years because in his case, he's going to have to learn to do something he's never had to do before. Be responsible for himself. He's going to have to learn to work. He's going to have to learn how to interact with coworkers and with a boss. He's going to have to learn how to fend for himself. He's going to learn how to be, how to be responsible. He'll have to find work. He'll have to shop and buy food or grow it or whatever it might be. You see, he can't rely on handouts anymore. Healing brings with it responsibility. So Jesus' question, do you want to be well? That's, that's a really good question. Are you sure you're ready for this? Are you sure you're ready to live your life differently through this healing? What a great gift to be healed. But Jesus knew it wasn't as simple as happily ever after. That healing brings with it a new life and new responsibility. And that's difficult. Already the man has learned that he doesn't know how to talk to the authorities. And Jesus knows there's more coming. And so the crippled man wasn't just crippled. He was blind. But now Jesus was helping him to see. Because the miracle doesn't end with the healing itself. But continues as Jesus walks with us. But then Jesus turns to help the religious authorities begin to see a little more deeply too. And as you might guess, the words they needed were a little more harsh. The words they needed were a little more challenging. And what Jesus says next, what Jesus says next provides more of a challenge still. He says this, uh, or as a result, the Jewish leaders were harassing Jesus since he had done these things on the Sabbath. They were really worked up about this, right? Here's this Jesus who's supposed to be a teacher and here he is violating their Sabbath law. And Jesus replied to them, my father is still working and I am working too. And for this reason, the Jewish leaders wanted even more to kill him, not only because he was doing away with the Sabbath, but also because he called God his own father, thereby making himself equal with God. My father is still working, and I am working too. <laughs> that is a direct challenge about their beliefs of the Sabbath, their mistaken beliefs of what the Sabbath was about. The religious lawyers were still blind and they heard only a threat in that phrase. But I hear hope in it because from this side of history, it's clear that Jesus meant a lot more than just that one day of the week, than just that one day on the clock and the calendar. I hear hope. My father is still working and I am working too. God is still working. That means that God has not given up on the disabled. It means that God has not given up on the struggling. It means that God has not given up. Are you ready for this one? God has not given up on the oblivious. But perhaps most important, God has not given up on the blind. 
So I would ask you two questions today. First, where do you need healing? Are you involved in a situation you need to get out of? Are you carrying something from, quote, 38 years ago that you need to let go of, something you've carried around for far longer than it deserved? Is there something you need to say to someone you love? My first question is, where do you need healing? Are you oblivious like everyone in this story? But my second question is Jesus's. Do you want to get well? But before you say yes, of course, think carefully. Because if God helps you let go of that burden, if God helps you to forgive, which is what letting go is, right? If God helps to heal you, if God brings you healing, then that means you're going to have to learn to live differently. That means that the responsibility that comes with that healing will be yours as well. Once you can walk, quote unquote, you'll have to learn to live in a new way. If God forgives you, you'll have to forgive others, lest the whole thing tear you apart. Do you want to be well? My father is still working. And I am working too. That is the good news of hope. Jesus isn't done with you. Jesus isn't done with me. God's not done with anybody. And he's not done with the world. Would you pray with me? Oh God, we are all in need of healing. And oh God, though we each need to answer for ourselves, I will say for some, literally, for some aspirationally, oh God, we want to get well. Please heal us. Work in us. And help us to rise to the responsibility of being healed in you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's Sunday Sermon. For more information on growth groups or how to more fully embrace the life of faith, visit us at www.trinitylincoln.org.